Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters More, the podcast for Florida Matters, WUSF public media show about the issues and events that Floridians care about. I'm Robin Sussingham, host of Florida Matters. You can hear Florida Matters Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7 or streaming on WUSFnews.org. This week on Florida Matters, we're getting ready for this year's hurricane season, and we've got a great conversation with meteorologist Jeff Huffman coming up on the podcast. Support for Florida Matters more comes from the National Foundation for Transplants. Right now, hundreds of Tampa residents need an organ transplant they can't afford. You can join the National Foundation for Transplants Operation Second Chance at transplants.org to learn how to help give someone a second chance at life. And we're also grateful for the support of the Florida Department of Health. If you or a loved one need information about medical marijuana, the Florida Department of Health provides resources on qualifying medical conditions, physicians, and approved treatment centers at flhealth.gov OMMU. Jeff Huffman is the chief meteorologist with the University of Florida and provides forecasts for the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. Jeff, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, the hurricane forecast seems kind of vague. 70 percent chance of 10 to 16 named storms, 5 to 9 could become hurricanes. Those are some wide margins of error. Yeah, I get asked this question probably the most often leading up to a hurricane season about the forecast for the season ahead. It's the question that I also dislike the most, uh, Robin. These, oh, sorry. These, <laughs> no, that's all right. Especially the NOAA outlook. Uh, you know, they're giving a range because this is a, a bit of a probabilistic forecast, meaning there's a huge range. And depending on their confidence level, those numbers may be a little narrow, narrower, um, if mm-hmm. easy for me to say. Yeah. But basically, take that large range as, uh, as something that maybe there's a little lower confidence for this year. And again, uh, the seasonal forecasts really don't play a role into exactly how many locations may be hit, where the storms track, and if you're going to be hit in, in your ne- neck of the woods as well. So, let, uh, let me stop you there. You said take that wide forecast as an indication of lower confidence this year? Well, it depends on the confidence level in terms of their range. So I would say yes, and I've heard it from other forecasters, there's a little bit lower confidence this year into how the season will pan out. And it has to do with the unlike the un- known with the Pacific Ocean and whether or not an El Nino will fully develop by the um, the heart of the hurricane season in the early fall. And tell me how the El Nino figures into all this. Well, an El Nino is the uh, warming of those Pacific waters. You might think, well, warmer water uh, leads to bad storms. Well, not in the ocean that's across the continent there, because that warmer water leads to more volatile winds aloft, and those winds translate across Mexico into the Caribbean and into the Western Atlantic sometimes as well. And those stronger winds aloft can actually keep uh, strong hurricanes from forming, or at least even hurricanes from developing in general, because a hurricane needs calm winds aloft. All the energy and activity with a hurricane is down below, and when you have really strong winds aloft, it kind of rips apart those thunderstorms that build around the centers of systems. So generally speaking, if an El Nino does develop in time, it could limit 
overall seasonal basin activity. But, Robin, it still doesn't mean we can't have a storm close to home, spin up really quickly. Uh, you definitely can't you know, count on this forecast in terms of your preparations for the season ahead. So we know more about El Nino when? Later in the summer? Yeah, confidence gets higher as we go through the summer months. In fact, normally speaking, if an El Nino is going to develop by the fall, we know by July. So uh, we'll, we'll check in with the uh, NOAA updates occasionally and keep you updated on that. But I, like I told you at the beginning, it's, this is my least favorite question because it really has no relevancy to how Florida may be or may not be impacted by a hurricane this year. Well, do you think that we're making progress? Scientists are making progress in the seasonal predictions uh, they are making some progress. Uh, the cha- you know, I did actually a study on the last 10 years. I did the study last year, so it was the 10 years prior on the seasonal forecast from three reputable agencies, and their accuracy rate was, believe it or not, just barely better than the groundhog. So <laughs> we're looking in the 50 to 60% range in terms of accuracy, whether or not it's going to be an active or inactive season. Now, forecasts on terms of tracks of, of existing storms, and even now lately forecasts in terms of the intensity of existing storms, that has has been steadily improving over the last few years. Those are two different things. And yeah, the progress is completely different. Once a storm has formed, to know where it's going, and even I think we're even making progress on how strong it's going to be, that has really come along in the last, what, decade? Yeah, it has. And especially in terms of the intensity in the last year or two. But just a word of caution, the key the key words you mentioned there is once it's formed, uh, the the difficulties, the storms that haven't formed yet or the systems that haven't become tightly wound, low-pressure centers are very difficult to track. The, the the complexities of those are enormous, and you have to remember. That's why we encourage our listeners and our viewers and our audience to not latch on to those models too soon. You really need to wait until the system develops to see where it goes. And, of course, the big challenge with that is if something develops close to home, it, it makes it even more difficult to determine its outcome. So let me back up for a second because you said you really don't like being asked about the seasonal forecast because you don't really <laughs> think it's relevant. So what do you like to be? What do you think is relevant? What can I do now to prepare for hurricane season? And there are a couple of things, Robin, that all of our listeners can do. And this is your public service announcement for the day. All right. You know, if you if you see things on sale that you might need during a storm, go grab them. You know, you don't have to get it all at once. You know, you can stock up on supplies every single nice weekend we have until a storm hits. You can continue building your arsenal of supplies. The second thing to remember is you're going to have anxiety. If a storm is like, remember Irma, all the anxiety it caused, the, the more you can do now to prepare, whether it be your your home, uh, your family plan, uh, making sure you have all the supplies, the more you can do now, it'll lessen that anxiety when a storm is really threatening. Are you talking about anti-anxiety medication, Jeff? (laughs) You know what? The the prescription for hurricane anxiety is preparation. There you go. Oh, well, isn't that nice? All right. Well, let me ask you. You you live inland, right? You live in Gainesville? Yes. So do you have an emergency hurricane kit? I have plenty of water, and I have plenty of coworkers who have planned ahead for us during a storm to take care of us here, because you know this is where I will be. Um, but good question. I do have probably enough food to last me a few days. Uh, I could probably do a little better on the food part. And you know what? Something else, Robin, I'm thinking about doing, because I cannot stand being without air conditioning. Even though I rent, you know, I'm still thinking about maybe getting a generator, because that's something that proves priceless after a storm. You know, I'm. I think there's more and more generators when... I remember when those, I'm in Polk County and those three hurricanes hit back in 2004. 
And hardly anyone had a generator. But now I think, well, I'll tell you, my parents, my father's getting up there. And last year with Irma was really tough on him, losing power. Uh, My mother always, she's from South Florida, grew up in South Florida, and she always felt like generators were for sissies. (laughs) But but (laughs) they got one. They got, they actually got the the whole home generator. Well, considering I'm kind of a sissy with the heat, I will take that as a, I I need the generator and the air conditioning. One more thing to not forget about is how reliant we are on the mobile devices. You got to have those extra battery, battery chargers that you can, uh, that can last you a long time. I mean, those are always a hot commodity right before a storm. So go go buy a few now if you can. The ones that you mean charge up your cell phone, the extra chargers yeah. that you can charge up beforehand. Oh, that's a Correct. yeah, that's a really good idea. So hurricane season started June first. What happened at the end of May? We we already had a subtropical storm Alberto. Yeah, and one thing that's notable about this is we're starting to see this early season activity a little more often. There is some credible science that can attribute that to the changes in our climate, but it is not uncommon or not unheard of to get a storm that early. Um, We do get a named storm in May, according to climatology, once every 10 years. We get a storm in June once every two. So it's, you know, that late May storm is not that far-fetched of an idea. It can certainly happen when the waters are warm enough, and they were just barely in the Gulf of Mexico. So May was an unusually rainy month, wasn't it? It was. The rainy season came early, and it's going to take a break. Where I'm actually, I don't know, I, I'm not sure when this airs, Robin, but we are watching a front coming in that will uh, clean us out a little bit in terms of the humidity from pretty much I-4 northward for a few days, and I'm looking forward to that for sure. But the rain was good news, I think, in a lot of ways. Didn't it help fill up our aquifers? Yeah, there's always there's this natural cycle in Florida. I mean, we definitely have had two pretty dry, dry seasons in a row, especially last year, if you remember all the wildfires. We had a little bit of a drought this year across parts of Florida. It's kind of a natural thing. It wasn't too extreme this year, but certainly we're always pretty uh, excited when the rainy season comes to kind of fill up the the ponds and the lakes and the rivers again. Uh, of course, a few people need it to shut off right now, but, uh, you know, it comes and goes. And then June, you're thinking, is going to be drier. Well, the next few days will be. Um, there's an onslaught of tropical moisture again kind of aimed at the state uh, this weekend into next week. So I expect rain chances to go back up uh, then as well. So you mentioned Irma. We um, in the state were exhausted just in the lead up to Irma, listening to the forecast that it was going to be a monster storm. We didn't know where it was going. We thought it was going to hit Miami. No, it's going to hit Tampa. No, it's going to, we, you know, no, it's going to hit the center of the state. It seemed to go on and on. Do you ever worry about over-publicizing a storm? Absolutely. I think it's, um, I think, you know, I travel around the state and and do a lot of talks, and I always ask the question everywhere I've gone this year, do you think the state preparation for Irma was adequate? Do you think the media coverage was adequate? And far and above, now maybe they were biased because I'm part of the media, if you you will, but they all agreed mostly that the coverage and the um, preparation was adequate for this storm. I think Floridians got it because of, you know, seeing the pictures of Harvey, understanding this was a Cat 5, it had been coming for days. I think we as a state, and, and especially in South Florida and West Florida, you prepared 
appropriately. You have to remember that preparing based on your experiences of a prior storm is a dangerous road to travel because every storm, every situation is very unique. It's really more about the perspective you have going in as to how you approach it coming out and how you might prepare the next time. I believe everyone who took preparedness action for Irma did the right thing. Those of you who were left unscathed, consider yourselves fortunate. Know that the, the reasonable worst case could have happened and that uh, we're glad it didn't happen. Uh, but the next storm is a new one. You feel good about that massive evacuation effort. You feel like oh, it was appropriate. I, I personally believe there was not enough evacuations in southwest Florida considering the, the potential storm surge risk, especially in the Cape Coral and Fort Myers area. Really? Because... Gosh, it seemed like a massive movement of people. Well, there. there was a massive movement of people. I just what I'm what I'm talking about is the response of the people, not enough response according mm-hmm. to some preliminary data. But you know, um, and people don't really need to leave the state. Sometimes they think they need when they evacuate, they think they need to go to Alabama or Georgia or something. But really, they say even just moving a few miles inland could be absolutely. Helpful. And I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but those shelters are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're not you know shelters are not very far away. But it's certainly at a better, you know, puts you in a better spot than, you know, being susceptible to storm surge. The challenge, Robin, with Irma was the fact that the storm was so large and had been coming for so long that we had this pancake evacuation problem. So even folks who didn't want to travel very far had to because there wasn't any hotel rooms or any availability until you got way up into Georgia. Yeah, it was hard to get gas, too, in some places. Yeah, and that's, that's certainly a big thing to think about, too. So I just wanted to go back once more about predictions of strength because I do think in the last couple of years, you mentioned this is something that's really improved. Yeah, in the last couple of years, there's been some notable strides in forecasting the intensity of a storm, but still significant errors do exist. In fact, a full category error exists on either side. So whenever, a, you know, for example, a category two is projected to make landfall, you need to prepare for a three. Category three, prepare for a four. Of course, the other the other direction can happen, as we saw with Irma. But just know that even though some great strides have been made for the intensity forecast, there are still significant errors that can cause, uh, that can have some pretty bad ramifications if you don't prepare. Prepare for the worst and hope for the best is the as advice. <laughs> Jeff Huffman, forecaster for the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. Thank you so much. Always my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us and listen to Florida Matters on the radio Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 7.30 on WUSF 89.7. You can always find it online at WUSFnews.org. I'm Robin Sessingham. Come back next week for another episode of Florida Matters More. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play or Stitcher. Stitcher.